praise the Lord. Praise God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm so glad you're here today. I'm so glad of the worship taking place in the house of God and glorifying God and praising Him. Turn to your neighbor and say, man, you're looking great. You know, I always stand at risk saying that in church, making people do that, but, you know, but everybody looks great. Everybody looks wonderful and great. I am going to try and close out this series I've been trying to preach on and just simply distractions. We are living in a world that is filled with so many directions we can go in. I've seen some people just... They're just going in all different directions all the time. I've seen people, and it's hard for me to understand it, but seem like busy people just keep on wanting to be more busier than before. Instead of lightening it, we lightening the load in our schedules, we just load them up more. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's some type of addiction, I'm not sure. Maybe it's just life itself. We're trying to run and chase and catch up with life. I will tell you, though, that if you run too much, you'll pass by life. You won't find life from place to place. That's why the Bible talks about, and the Bible declares and says, stand still. You also hear a word in Psalm, and the word is selah. Pause and think about it for a moment. And when we come to the house of God, I hope it is a stopping place of all the busy schedule. And you stop and say, I'm going to concentrate on you, God. I'm going to worship you, Lord. How many here knows that there is an enemy that is out to get us? Out to destroy us, deceive us, work, do anything he possibly can to get us in a way where that we start losing our peace and we start losing our joy. We start losing a focus. This year, God laid it on my heart that we would make it. Our vision is focus. We focus. Focus on the Lord and focus on the purpose the Lord has for us in our life. We just want to live life without distractions that are going to interfere with our relationship with the Lord. Let me tell you, your relationship with Jesus is the most valuable thing that you have in your life. Do you know how I know that? And I know this isn't really an exciting note, but it's a truth. You know how life is. As you get older and you live life, what happens is that your possessions start wearing out. Your house can just sit there and you don't do anything and it will start falling apart. Things and stuff, it's just like you find, you get stuff and it doesn't thrill you anymore. Doesn't excite you anymore. Well, you can get a new car and it's okay and it's exciting about a week or two. And then after that, when the time comes for a car payment, then it's a little bit different. We'll go places, we'll plan for a vacation, we'll go and run and vacations are good but somehow or another I have never really rested on a vacation have you ever rested on a vacation it's like oh my gosh and some of you poor parents see parents bless your heart you go you're so excited you're going to go to the beach but going to the beach is a whole lot more challenging when you have about four little ones running all over the place and you got to keep an eye on them you got to get them ready you got to go so I I the I believe probably the longer I live the more I appreciate parents and parents of young children how hard and how you know what we need to applaud our parents in this church because I know it's a challenge to try and I mean my goodness it's like working up a schedule and staying on schedule in order to get something you know to go somewhere or, or get prepared so I really appreciate I go and look at these young moms and they'll have a newborn in that carrier thing but you know what that thing is they carry that baby that is really actually it is a it's an exercise to build your muscles because after they get about six months, eight months old, listen, I've carried that before, and it's like, oh, my gosh, I can't go very long with this. 
holding that. No wonder to put them on packs, you know, pack them here, carry them here, just because there's a lot of weight to carry in it. Amen. I just feel led to say that. God bless you, moms. God bless you, dads. But a distraction is something that there are, I, I realize when I looked up the definition of distraction, I realized that there are different definitions for distractions. Distractions in the dictionary is to draw away or divert as the mind or someone's attention is distracted. Another definition of distraction is to disturb or trouble greatly in mind and beset someone heavy on your mind is a distraction and can be a distraction in our life. Then there's the third one of distraction. It's a little different. It is to provide a pleasant diversion, a diversion for, to amuse, to entertain. But can I tell you that really distractions we face in life, really you can't find a lot of positive direction with it when it comes down to God's kingdom. You'll find a positive direction and focus, but you won't find a positive interpretation and definition in the spiritual life with the word distraction. Because every one of those, even those things that provide a pleasant diversion or amusement or entertainment can in terms, if we go to the extreme, can distract us away from God. Where that we're constantly uh, distracted by entertaining ourselves. We're chasing life thinking that we're going to find joy and we're going to find happiness if we go to this place and we do this thing. We keep searching and searching and searching. But really the truth is the only joy and peace found in life is a focus on Jesus Christ. Now hear me, life brings great things, but things in life are temporary. But what you find in Jesus is eternal. It will last the test of time no matter what generation that you live in, no, no matter how young or how old that you are, Jesus will bring the peace and the joy and the satisfaction and what you're searching for. Other things can possibly distract you from what you're really longing for. Because Adam is still longing for the walk with God in the cool of the day and the fellowship with God. That's what your soul, your spirit is longing for. It's not anything else. I tell you, Adam regretted more the breaking of connection with God. When that occurred, when he sinned, he regretted that more than having the garden all around him. Because when you don't have that connection and focus with God like you used to have it, you begin to miss it. You know something is missing. Can I get an amen out of that, somebody? You know, when you start drifting and you become distracted, you'll stop and say, God, where are you? Because you long to be with him. And when Adam got distracted, you know exactly who said something. God said, Adam, where are you? And maybe God's saying that to us today. That has nothing to do with my message. It does, but it's not in my notes. So here, that's free of charge. But don't be distracted. Proverbs 4, 20 through 27 in the New King James Version. I'm going to try not to hold you long this morning. But I want you, if I don't hold you long, will you listen to what I have to say? You know, are you ever get in that mode where you kind of get the shutdown autopilot kind of mode? And I've seen in churches where, well, he's going to preach 40 minutes, it's coming. So you kind of sit in auto mode and autopilot and you just kind of you know but do me this favor if I press through will you press in amen Proverbs 4 20 to 27 Solomon's giving a great word he said my son give attention to my words incline your ear to my sayings do not let them depart from your eyes keep them in the midst of your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. But away from you is a deceitful, put away from you a deceitful mouth and a, 
and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Let me read it from the Passion Bible. Listen to this. Listen carefully, my dear child, to everything that I teach you and pay attention to all that I have to say. Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Then as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health into every core of your being. Amen. Glory to God. So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. Avoid dishonest speech and pretentious words. Be free from using perverse words no matter what. No matter what. You know, a lot of times people say, well, I get mad, I just can't help it, I just got to cuss. Yes, you can help it, stop it. Out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. It's in you. you Jesus says, it's not what comes in you that, that defiles you, it's what comes out. So you need to guard your heart. You need to guard your heart. Say, God, change my heart. I don't want to cuss anymore. I'm not going to ask for people to raise their hand and make a vow that they're not going to cuss anymore because that might put you on the spot. But you make a vow, you make a decision at your seat right now and say, I'm going to keep my mouth clean. No more perverse, deceitful talk. No open statements on Facebook. No more little comments of, of, of wanting someone to get back at you. Or you begin to fight it out on social media. Well, a lot gets done on social media. All the ills and the problems of the world is solved on social media. There's a whole lot of talk and very, and very little doing. Now, and I, 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 we use social media. I'm on it some. But don't expect me to. Listen, I want to tell you as a congregation, can I talk to you for a moment? If you want to reach me, don't post it on Facebook. Because it's not reliable with me. Because I don't, I don't look at it much. You want to get a hold of me. You need to reach me. You got a need. You need to talk. Please contact me. Everybody in this place about has my cell number. So you just call me, okay? I'm reachable and I understand, but I'm not going to read into Facebook and look for problems. Oh, my goodness. I'm just believing God for answers. I'm not looking for problems. I'm believing for answers. All right, well, that's good. Just hold on to that. Okay, be free from using perverse words no matter what. Set your gaze on the path before you. Be with fixed purpose knowing where you're going. When I was in the second grade, I had Mrs. Jenkins, and she would stop me all the time in the hallway. She'd say, Ronnie, don't look down on the floor when you walk. I looked down all the time when I walked. If there's anything that teacher taught me that I learned more than anything, she said, you look straight ahead where you're going. And be aware of what is in front of you. Don't look down into the floor. God's telling you not to look down on the floor, child of God. You're more than what you think you are in God and Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, you bear that name. And therefore, you just look straight ahead and know your path and where you're going. And know that God has direction for you. Don't you look down on the floor and then run into things and be in the way and find problems in your life. Look and know that the Lord has, has set your gaze on the things that he has for you. Praise God. Don't allow yourself to be sidetracked or even a moment or take a detour that leads to darkness. God didn't create you and I to live a distracted life. God created us to live a Jesus-infused life where he's a part of our life. It's more than just his name we speak, but his name is within us. He, he is Lord of our life, not just Savior, but Lord of our life. If Jesus becomes Lord of your life, if you allow, listen, Lordship is offered to someone. You offer the Lordship to Jesus Christ. You offer to him. See, what it is, is that Jesus, though, 
and some of you are looking at me real crazy here. Listen, Jesus has the right. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But over your life, you surrender the lordship over Jesus Christ in your life. You give him, you give him your life. He gave you his salvation that he offered you and you received it. And so in turn, you give him the lordship over your life. So that he becomes Lord. And if you allow him to be Lord over your life, then you can expect things to happen and things to change and for victory to be in your life and power and assurance and authority will flow through the name of Jesus Christ because you have a Jesus-infused life. Don't let the noise of the world keep you from hearing the voice of the Lord. Hear him and know that he's talking to you. Jesus made it simple and this complex and uh, this world of distractions. He gave us his instructions and in what we call a Bible. And in the Bible, then after that, it's even something better than that. He said, just simply made it simple, follow me. Follow me. You don't have to memorize the Bible. Just follow me. Just follow follow me if I had to memorize the Bible before I got saved I would probably never be saved because I say that's too thick that's too hard that's too difficult I can't oh my goodness if someone told me I had to memorize the Ten Commandments before I ever get saved I'd never be saved but when they told me Ronnie all you have to do is follow Jesus I thought I can do that I can follow him he leads the way and I follow him now when he's not Lord you see, now Jesus, come on, hang with me, will you? We're going to go here and there. We're going to do this and that. When you know it's not God. He's not Lord of your life if you're distracted by going places you shouldn't be going. Doing things you shouldn't be doing. Looking at things you shouldn't be looking at. He's not Lord of your life. And because of that, you're, you are, you're just a playing field for the devil. You don't surrender the lordship of Jesus, then he will mess you up all the time. He'll, the enemy will mess you up and beat you up and distract you. He says, I don't understand. I can't, seem to, I can't seem to get a handle on my life. My life is just kind of falling apart. I can't seem to hold it together. Well, you can't hold it together. You're to follow Jesus. Just follow Jesus. Let him be Lord. Let me suggest to you, in order to, to not be distracted, that you need to move from pragmatism to passion. Pragmatism is doing what works at the moment, kind of fills in for the moment, but it's not really the best thing to do. You just kind of throw it in there, you know? Well, yeah, that'll kind of fit, and that'll be kind of a temporary answer when it's not a permanent answer. But passion makes you go a little bit farther. Pragmatism has little goals, little goals that ends in a little life. Passion is being committed to a cause that is bigger than yourself and end up in a larger life. God wants you to have a large life. God wants you to have a fulfilling life. God wants you to walk around like a man or woman of God where the, their family members are saved because you shared the gospel. There are people that work with you at the workplace and want to get to know this God that you serve just because of your attitudes and, and just the life and the light that shines around you. They just want to get close to you. Amen. God wants you to have a larger life. He wants to take care of your needs and bless you so that you might bless others and bless other people in their lives. Listen, God doesn't want you to be wealthy for the sake that you can say I'm wealthy, but God wants you to say I want you to see the eternal wealth that I have that when I give you something, you give it away. That's the wealth of the kingdom of God. God doesn't make people wealthy so they can hoard up everything, build more barns, tear down the old ones, build new barns. For tomorrow I may, I may die. And the Lord says, you fool, your soul's required of you. Your stuff and your wealth, it means nothing. But you didn't allow me to be Lord of your life. You didn't surrender to me. So therefore, you're lost. I don't want to be lost. I don't like being lost. I don't like losing anything. You like losing something? 
Right now, this room would be filled with people filled with panic if suddenly they didn't know where their cell phone was. <laughs> oh, it would be a havoc in the blood. My, 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 I can't even walk without my cell phone. I don't know if you knew that or not, but I can't walk without it, without my mobile device. You know, when, when something's lost, it bothers us. It bothers us. We ought to feel that away about our very souls. That if we don't have Jesus in our life and we don't, we're not living a Jesus-infused life, then we're lost. We ought to be more panicky about that than losing our mobile device. Where are you with God this morning? How do you stand with the Lord? Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Or are you just kind of going through motions? Are you being distracted by things around you? Allowing the things of the world to get your attention. Filthy things and vile things coming out of your mouth. And attitudes. Let me tell you, let Jesus be Lord. Let Jesus live a Jesus-infused life because in him you'll have the joy and the peace and the assurance. My goodness. Being wealthy is being content. Being content with such things that you have. That's contentment. That's happiness. That's happiness. That's happiness. It's not in the stuff. It doesn't matter how much or how little you have. It's, it's the contentment. Godly contentment is much gain. Much gain. Let me go on here. It's very difficult to overcome distractions if there's no fire in your belly. And if you've not been captured by what one writer called the impulsive power of a new affection. We find, uh, have a new affection in God, a renewed affection in Him. And what's so great about the Lord is that if we get distracted, He's ready to bring us back in. Bring us back into a place of concentration and focus on Him. Because He loves us. He doesn't turn us away. He doesn't say, okay, man, you've blown it so many times. Just forget it. I'm tired of dealing with you. I'm so glad that God is not like a man. That God is far. His ways are higher than our ways. Oh, I can't tell you. Let me tell you. I can't even tell you the times I've had to go to God over and over. Go, get, can I get a witness this morning? Or you kind of like, I went over and over and over and still going over and over and over and over with God. And God says, that's okay. That's okay, Ron. That's good. That's good. You're getting a focus on me. And he receives me. Now, Nehemiah had a great passion and fire in his belly. When he heard about the walls were all in rubble there in Jerusalem when he was away and he was being a servant under, under a Babylonian king, he, he there he heard the report and he began to pray and began to fast, began to seek God. See, that's, that's where the distractions begin to leave is in the moment that you begin to get focused when you get focused on God. And you understand God's the answer. But Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 16 in the Message Bible. And if I mess up on names, how many here will forgive me? I'll give it a shot. Yeah, thank you. Leah's helped me along the way here. She's done. When Samballot, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there was no more breaks in it, even though I hadn't yet installed the gates, Samballat and Je Geshem sent this message. Come and meet with us at whatever in the valley of, I know this one, oh no. Now listen, that's a, that's a cue there. Stay away from oh no. Anything named oh no, you just better just stay away. That's a clue, okay? You know, someone invites you, say, hey, let's go to this restaurant. It's in the town of Ono. Break the date, okay? Eat, no matter how good looking he is or she is, whatever you're dating, someone says, well, let's go. I know this restaurant over in Ono. You say, I don't think so. We, we better not do this. I knew that, <laughs> Nehemiah says, I knew they were scheming to hurt me, so I sent messengers back with this. I'm doing a great work. Oh, come on, why don't you? Hey, 
I'm doing a good work. I'm, no, I'm not doing a good work. I'm doing a great work. I'm doing a great work. What makes it great? It's not your abilities and how well you're doing it. It's the task at hand makes it great. Your kids are a great work. Your spouse is a great work. Husband, your wife is a great work. And wife, your husband is a great work. Your spiritual life is a great work. You finding your ministry purpose is a great work. You finding the leading of God in your life and what God wants to do, that's a great work. Reaching other people, ministering to other people, that's a great work. Rebuilding broken down walls in any situation is a great work. And God may be calling you to be the rebuilder of the walls. The one that will build and install gates that allow things in and out. Which will be God's blessings and his favor. And a wall that will protect and keep the enemy away. You're doing a great work, mom and dad. You're raising your child into the kingdom of God to know the Lord Jesus Christ and the word of God and giving them the word of God and bringing them to church. You're doing a great work. And you don't need to be distracted. As a matter of fact, Nehemiah says, nothing's going to distract me. I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. Let me tell you, you get away from the great work, there's nowhere to go but go down. He said, I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. Now, I know he was talking about a location, but I'm telling you, if you and I begin and decide no longer to do the great work in our life that God wants us to do in our life, there's no place to go but down. I can't go down. Why should the work come to a standstill just so I can come down and see you? Four times they sent this message and four times I gave them my answer. You ever, you ever seen that where sometimes the enemy just, he's persistent. He just keeps coming back. Like, a, like an old penny. A bad penny just keeps on coming back, coming around. Just, you know, it just, just keeps on coming back. Then the fifth time, the same messenger, same message, Sanballat sent an unsealed letter with this message. Unsealed meant it wasn't sent yet, but kind of waving around. Got this letter. And he said... The word is out among the nations. You know what he's... Nehemiah says, huh? Uh-huh. Fake news. Fake news. Word's out with the nation. It's out on social media. Fake news. Fake news. Untrue. Go on. You can go ahead. You can post it on Facebook. It don't matter. It's fake. It's unreal. And Geshem says, It's true. That you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and that's why you're, not, why you're rebuilding the wall. And the word is out that you want to be king and that you have appointed prophets to, pronounce, to announce in Jerusalem. There's a king in Judah. The king's going to be told all this. Don't you think you should sit down and let's have a talk? I sent him back this. There's nothing to what you're saying. You've, you've made it all up. They were trying to imitate or uh, intimidate us into quitting. They thought, they thought they'll give up if we intimidate them. They'll never finish it. And I prayed. What did he pray? Oh, God, send bolts of lightning upon them. Give them boils all over their body. Crush them, God. Get them, Jesus. No. He says, oh, God, just give me strength. You know why you ask for strength? It's because you decided you got a great work and you don't have time to come down. And you're not going to stop. You're going to accomplish that which God wants you to do. You are focused about it. There. And then they gave prophecy, and he called it, you give me your so-called prophecies. They're fake, too. Trying to misguide them, misguide them, till finally in a verse, the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul. And it had taken 52 days to build the walls around the city. When all the enemies heard the news, and all the surrounding nations saw it, our enemies totally lost their nerve. Your testimony will break the back of the enemy. 
your living, talking testimony will cause the enemy to lose his nerve because of what God has done in your life. Because you have focused and made up your mind, I'm not going to get distracted no matter what. I'm going to do this great work and I'm going to finish it. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to raise my family. I'm going to serve Jesus Christ. I'm going to keep going and going. Do you know why I'm glad churches are multi-generational? It's because the ones who are coming up are seeing the ones who are faithful as they begin to go out. And it's like it's a continual message that Jesus is a sustainer. He's not only just a provider, but he is a sustainer of his people when you live a Jesus-infused life. Now, I'm going to try and finish with this. There are many kinds of distractions, visual, manual, and cognitive distractions. There was a story I read of a highway patrolman. And in this article, he said he was just so sick and tired of all the time seeing drivers as he see them and they're driving that they got their face on their device and looking at their device or talking on their device and on the phone. He's just bothered him so bad. He said, I pull over people. I warn them. He said, some bad accidents I've seen because of people being distracted. He said, then one day, he said, I, I looked up and he said, there was a car that had a bumper sticker while I was driving down the highway. And on his bumper sticker said, get off the phone and drive. He said, oh, man, that's cool. That's great. He was so excited about that. He said, I was so impressed and so pleased to see that bumper sticker. Then I began, as he was rolling down the highway, he saw the guy, he said, I called up with him, and I pulled alongside of his car on the highway while both of us was rolling. He said, then I looked in his window, going to give him a thumbs up for the, for the sticker and everything, and there he is looking in the rearview mirror, shaving. <laughs> True story. True story. True story. The Department of Motor Vehicles, they believe it's true. This is true for destructive, or what I say, distractive driving. There's visual, manual, and cognitive distractions. Visual means if someone takes their eyes off the road, and then they lose control, and things happen. When they lose visual and they have a visual distraction. Then there's a distraction called manual distraction. And that's when someone takes their hands off the wheel. Now, you know, when you take your hands off the wheel, it means somebody else, either the car's doing the driving or someone else is doing the driving. And there are people that live their life like that. They let someone else do the driving or they think their life itself is going to do the driving. But God has called us to take and put our hands on the wheel and keep our hands on the wheel. And I know there's a great little, used to be an old gospel song or, or some type of southern gospel song, Jesus Take the Wheel. And that's all cute and that's all wonderful and that's, that's great. But in reality, you hold on to the wheel, okay? Keep your hands on the wheel and don't let anything else or anyone else take the wheel of your life. And then there's, then that's visual, manual, then there's cognitive, which is taking your mind off of driving. How many times the devil will come and load us up with stuff and we get so distracted by what's going on that time passes and then we start seeing ourselves ignoring God ignoring his plans for us in other words that we're taking our mind off of what we should be doing how many here believe Jesus is coming back soon I would like to ask all the people that decided that they needed to do something else today then go to church how many of them believe Jesus is coming back soon now, I know the world thinks the church pastor gets on church and then it's legalism. No, it's not. It's helping to get a focus and center in your life. And the devil is the master not only of destruction, but distraction. 
And he will get us busy on a lot of other things and ignore church. And then begin to forget about the fellowship of the brothers and sisters. For when you come to church, you don't come to church for you. You come to church for God in his name because you love him. And then you also touch other people. You're just not here by yourself. You think you're sliding in, but there are other people in the fellowship. We're not a crowd. We're a fellowship. You, you get it? We're the body of Christ. We're not a crowd. But we're a fellowship. We're touched by the needs of others. We understand each other. We bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And the only way we do this is if we know people's burdens. But if we think we slide in, slide out, just kind of just whenever, then you're missing out on the greatest joy of your life and purpose of your life. That the Lord has called you to be a part of a body and called you to be a part of his kingdom. And that you are living a Jesus-infused life. And when you come in the door, I give you Jesus. And you give me Jesus back. Jesus, Jesus, you know, we really ought to just, let's just give Jesus, okay? Let's just give the Lord. Not our problems, not our heartaches. But I'm just telling you, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm a realist. I know how life is, and I know how some people have to work and their schedules and stuff. But everybody can take a conscious, make a conscious decision to be focused and say, I'm not going to waste my Sundays. If I have to spend them and they have to be done for things that cannot be avoided, okay. But don't waste your time with the body. This church has the greatest potential to be such a life-giving force in this community if we just get focused we just get focused come together if the body of Christ came together the great body that he has man the devil and the world I have the hardest time but if he can get us distracted then we're not on the wall saying I'm doing a great work and I can't come down now I'll tell you all it takes is a decision. Making a decision. These parents that have small children, my mom had six kids. And my stepfather wouldn't go to church. So my mom, she got us ready Saturday night for Sunday morning. She set us all up. She had a system and kept with that system for all six of us to get ready and be out the door and be able to be at church. Now I'm not talking proudly like, hey, look at me, I'm bragging. But I will brag on my mom. She did a very good job at that. And I give testimony to that. And I thank God for it. But the fact is, is that I thank God for parents who make that effort. To be in the house of the Lord no matter what. No matter what. I know it's work. God bless you for all that work and effort. But you know why you do it. You know why you do it. You don't do it because you get to hear the greatest preacher in the world. And I am being funny here, okay? But you do it because of Jesus. And you love the Lord. And I thank you for it. I just want to praise the Lord for you. You know what? I felt led of the Holy Spirit to do something. As I just feel in my heart and my spirit, we need to pray for parents. I have children raising kids at home. You know why? I would be really scared to raise kids now. I, I, I don't get the world like I used to. I thought it did. And they have such challenges in the world today. There's an enemy that wants to destroy the family and destroy the future. But he can't do it if we get focused and we decide we're not going to be distracted when we serve the Lord. This is what I'd like for us to do. If the worship team, if everybody would stand, the worship team, come. That's why I felt led of the Holy Spirit. I want every parent that are raising children right now, if you're able to, if your kids are with you, just bring them with you. It's okay. But I'd like to pray for you. God minister to you in your home. I want to pray for you guys. Kathy and Justin's taking on a, a major responsibility with three children. And, and, you know, you didn't get practice with one at a time. But the Lord's going to minister and give help, going to anoint and help you as you foster parents right now. But it may progress. We need to just pray for them. But I'd like for parents and kids to come on up here. 
That's right. Come on, bring your, your child, if you will. If you've got kids at home, I want you to come up here, if you will. So, well, they're back grown, the teenager. Well, you're, they're still at your house. I want to pray for you. Oh, Lord. And you know, isn't this beautiful? Isn't this great? Families that are here. And parents. Now, we who are grandparents and we of us who maybe don't have the children, we're called to pray and uphold and uplift these people, these parents doing the work of God. And truly, you're doing a work of God in your life. How, how, how many here believe that these people are doing a work of the Lord by raising their children, serving God, introducing them to Jesus Christ, showing them the way? I'm just going to go quickly down the line, lay hands on them and pray for each parent. And I want everybody in the congregation, please, please, if some want to get in behind some, you can. But I just want to know it. You know why? Because moms and dads, they need the Holy Spirit. They need God's Spirit to give them strength and help and anointing in their life to be parents, to be the parents that God wants them to be. How many here believe that God can give them that anointing? This is so important. There's no greater responsibility than to raise your children in the ways of the Lord. There's no greater calling in your life. So I need some folks to join in. Let's pray for these folks in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Yes. 
Jordan, and the doors swing wide. See glory as I run inside your throne room. Before you, I bow. The veil is torn, and the doors swing wide. See glory as I run inside your throne room. In 
Father, we thank you, God, for your presence. We thank you, Lord, you've given us away. You've helped us. You'll continue to minister in our life, God. We want to be used by you, God. Bless us as a church. Bless our families, God, our homes. Lord, just set us on fire with your power and your spirit. We rejoice in you and we praise you. In the wonderful name of Jesus, thank you for what you have done today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. 